Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but today is Father's Day, and uh, I, I like I like uh, I like dad jokes. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I, I uh, in honor of Father's Day, and uh, just because it you know it's my sermon and I can I can do what I want, I'm going to start with some dad jokes today because I just really like them. So here's the, here's the first one. Today my son asked me, can I have a bookmark? And it really hurt because he's three years old and he doesn't know that my name is Tony yet. There we are. You know it's a good dad joke when, the, when it's a delayed reaction like that. <laughs> well, if you like that one, you're going to like this one even better. My wife was really mad at me. She was mad at the fact that I have no sense of direction, so last night I picked up all my stuff and I write. I didn't leave. I didn't, it wasn't. I didn't. <laughs> Come on, give me another chance. Give me another chance. All right, last one. You guys ready for this one? I have the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban from the San Diego Zoo. That is my all-time favorite dad joke. Uh, hey, I, I love dad jokes as much as the next guy. And the older I get, I'm beginning to identify with some of these classic dad stereotypes. Uh, and so here's, here's what I mean. Classic dad stereotype. I saw on the internet recently that, that a classic dad move is once you mow the lawn, for the rest of the day, every time you go by the window, you stop and admire the lawn. Man, it looks good, doesn't it? That's a classic dad move right there. Or when somebody leaves the front door open, you yell to the rest of the house, guess we're responsible for air conditioning the neighborhood. I'm pretty, pretty guilty of that one. <laughs> so there's some, some of these classic dad stereotypes that I can begin to identify with, but there are some that I've got some real problems with. Have you ever noticed when you watch a sitcom? The dad is an absolute idiot. Let me ask you a question. Can I say idiot in a sermon? Okay, thank you. okay, good. Probably should have cleared that on Wednesday night at the elders meeting. <laughs> but I mean, the dad is just a goof. Can't tie his own shoes without having his wife's help. You ever notice that everything dad tries in that sitcom is the punchline for the rest of the episode? Dad isn't a leader. He's not an authority figure. He's not intelligent. He's just a putz who drinks too much beer and waits for the game to come on. Waits for his wife to do all the thinking. It's not who God created me to be. It's not who God created you to be. God created you in his image after his likeness. And God, the fighter, created you to fight for your family. You want to know how God created you, men? Listen to this. Joshua 1, starting in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you are the only one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night and be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Men, God created us that way. He created us to lead our families spiritually. He created us to fight for truth and justice and mercy in our homes. That's who God created us to be. Now, let me take it a step further. Because while it's important for us to live that way, it's important for another reason. That's the kind of man I pray my son becomes. That's the kind of man I pray my daughter marries. Because who my son becomes has a whole heck of a lot to do with who I am. And who my daughter learns to respect has a whole heck of a lot to do with who I am. So put down the controller. Put down the remote. Put down your computer. Put down your phone. Get down on the floor and play. Get out in the yard and play. Pick up a pencil and help with homework. Pick up your Bible and read it. Pick up your family and lead them closer to God. Men, fight against the stereotype of the putts and be a man of God. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 today. That's my introduction. Joshua chapter 1 and the admonition to fight is certainly applicable for men, but it is applicable to everyone who calls themselves by the name of Christ. It's something everyone who is a Christian can learn from. So I want to take a look at Joshua chapter 1 in its entirety, and then we'll start to break it down just a little bit more. So Joshua chapter 1, we'll start in verse 18. I'm sorry, start in verse 1, read through 18. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. Or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. 
He has given you this land, your wives, your children, your livestock. They can stay here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest and until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned you. And they answered Joshua, we will do whatever you command us. We will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you commanded will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. This passage, it comes right on the death of Moses, right on the heels of the death of Moses. The Israelites, they've been wandering around in a desert wilderness for 40 years now. Well, how come they've been doing that? Because I've looked at the map and where they left from Egypt to where the promised land is, is not a 40-year journey. How come it took them 40 years to get there? Well, 40 years ago, God said, all right, we're here. This is the land that I'm going to give you. This is the land that I am promising to you. Go and take it. And what happened is uh, they sent 12 spies into the land. And uh, the people come back and they report and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, we got a problem here, guys. Ten of the spies come back and they say, uh, these people that live in this land, they are really big. They make us feel like grasshoppers and the, the, uh, the gates in these towns, they are huge, and I, I just don't think that, that we, can, we can do this. It's not very good. I think it's impossible. Now, nothing they said was a lie. Every bit of that was true. The people who lived there were big. The gates and the cities were tall. Their report wasn't untruthful. But God calls it evil. Why? The report was evil because they let worry get in the way of what God had promised them. Joshua and Caleb came back with a different report, though. They came back. They saw the same things that everybody else saw. They saw giant men and tall gates. And here's what they said. They said, hey, God has commanded us. God has promised us. Let's go. You see the difference there? Unfortunately, the people listened to the ten who were afraid. And God said, all right. Have it your way. And for that reason, they spent the next 40 years walking in circles and going to funerals. See, the Israelites, they didn't drift into the promised land. And no church drifts into a better future. But now the time has come. 40 years have passed. Moses has passed away, and so have the people that were too scared to follow God. And Joshua says, the time has come. We're going to take the land that the Lord has given us. It's time to fight. Here's a takeaway. It's not in your outline. I want to encourage you to write this in your Bible. Write this on your outline somewhere. But this is something, this is something you should take with you today. Don't let what you see make you forget what God has said. 
Don't let what you see make you forget what God has said because there will be people that make you feel like grasshoppers. There will be tall gates that you face, but if you go forward honoring God and doing what he has commanded, you're going to be okay. Don't let what you see make you forget what God has said. Here's what, here's what he says. He says, be strong and courageous. For you're the one who's going to lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses, or that I gave Moses. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful in everything that you do. Don't deviate from them. You'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't let what you see distract you from what God has said. Be strong and courageous. This means doing what's right even when it's not easy. It means doing what's right even when it's not easy. You know it's not easy? Saying the people of the land make us feel like grasshoppers and the walls are too big. You know what's, you know what's right? Saying, let's go anyway. God's commanded it, let's go anyway. Doing what's right is always gonna lead you to peace. It may not be easy, but it will be right. In verse 13, it tells us that God promised these people that there would be rest when they take the land. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna require sacrifice and hardship. That's why God sent warriors, strong warriors. It wasn't gonna be easy. But ignoring what was right for the sake of what was easy, that's the difference between resting in the promised land and wandering in the desert. See the difference there? Doing what's right isn't always easy. Sometimes life feels like a constant struggle, like you've got no peace. Could it be that you're ignoring what's right for the sake of what's easy? Now, let me be honest. You're, you're always going to be swimming against some current. No matter what you do in life, you're going to be swimming against some current. There's always going to be some tension that you're facing. If you're going with the world, you're going to be going against God. And if you're going with God, you're going to be going against the world. No matter what you do, it's going to produce tension. Here's how you know the difference. Doing what's right, even when it's hard, will always lead to peace. Ignoring what's right will always lead to pain. Here's what I mean. Uh, let's say you need to have a hard conversation with a relative somebody you love dearly, you see that the choices that they're making in their life aren't honoring God, they're destructive, it's doing real damage to them, it's doing real damage to your family. Is that an easy conversation to have? Is that an easy conversation to have? No, maybe unpleasant for a time. It may lead to arguments, it may lead to not speaking, but it may lead to healing. Ignoring it means hitting your head against the problem again and again. And sure, there's going to be seasons where the problem isn't at the forefront and it gives the illusion of peace. But what happens, it comes back and that pain is stronger than it ever was before. So do what's right even when it's hard. Maybe you need to start managing your finances better. It's not easy to say no to yourself. It's not easy to say no to yourself when you want something. It's not easy to start budgeting, but Dave Ramsey seems to think that that'll lead to financial peace or something like that. 
What happens if you keep ignoring the problem, if you keep not saying no to yourself? There's this constant tension as you wonder, can I pay my bills this month? And stress eats at you and eats at you and eats at you. And all of a sudden, you're not just stressed, you're thinking about compromising your morality so that you can stay above water financially. So do what's right, even when it's hard. Or maybe you need to confess sin. Listen, nobody wants to do that. It's not easy, it's not fun, but there's a peace that comes from that. Or you can live a different way. If you don't want to confess sin and begin a process of healing, you can live a different way. You can just always deal with the constant fear of getting caught, the agony of hiding and lying, pretending everything's okay. God seems to think you should be strong and courageous. Here's the, here's the, here's the truth. Doing what's right will always lead to peace. Pretending wrong is right will always lead to pain. So be strong and courageous. Listen, that's, that's not a churchy thing to say. That's a godly way to live. This, this isn't just a, a big deal for us individually, though. Okay, so we, can, we can understand how this passage means something to us on an individual level, but it's not just a big deal for us individually. It's not just a big deal for our families. It's a big deal for the kingdom of God. I want you to look at verse 13, and I'm going to show you what I mean. Here's what it says. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. So remember what Moses has commanded. It says Moses commanded, but, but understand that Moses' authority comes from God. So, so look at the title that Joshua gives Moses. It, it's not King Moses, right? Nowhere is Moses called King Moses. It's not General Moses. How is he described? Moses, servant of the Lord. And so that means that, that this command, this authority that Moses comes or that possesses is actually from God. So this command from Moses is a command from God. And that's not unusual. God commands things. We're fairly familiar with God commanding things. I command you to be holy. I command you to keep my laws. We even spent the last seven weeks hearing God say, I command you to throw these parties. But this one's different. Listen to this. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. That's the command. Does that sound commandy? Did you hear a command in there? The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He is giving you, he has given you this land. Here's the deal. God has said this. This is a command to turn these words into reality. It's a command to turn these words into reality. Joshua isn't teaching a memory verse. He's given a call to action. God has given us this land. Now let's go take it. Church, I want you to remember what the Lord has commanded us because he's commanded us something as well. In Joshua 1.13, he told the people what he had done for them. I'm giving you this land. Now go take it because it's already been given to you. Just go take it. Here's what the Lord has said to us. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So it's fascinating to me. I, I plan out my sermons pretty far in advance. Um, so I, I plan them out a year and ahead. 
Uh, just finished up my 2020 plan. I'm excited about what we're preaching next year, but I, I plan out my sermons pretty far, so I, I know, I've known for a while that I was going to be preaching this text this weekend, and I've known for uh, quite a while that Matthew 16, 18 was going to be a supporting text in this sermon. So it was, it was interesting to me when I turned on the Southeast podcast last week, and Kyle Eidelman started a new series, and uh, Matthew 16, 18 was the text he was preaching from. I thought, well, good way to preach a good sermon is to steal material from Kyle Eidelman. You might want to write that down. Um, but so I was fascinated. I was like, I'm, I'm definitely going to get some good information here. And I, I just want to share with you something that he said, this observation that he made. Okay, so this next part, if you think it's really good, this is Kyle Eidelman, all credit given to him. He said, when I read that the gates of Hades will not overcome the church, my tendency is to think that Satan is on offense, that he's launching uh, some sort of major invasion like D-Day. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He said, and then get this, make sure you get this. The reality is a gate is a defensive weapon. A gate is not an offensive weapon. A gate is a defensive weapon. Okay, so uh, thank you, Kyle. If you're listening, I'm going to go ahead and take it back over from here. He's not listening. I fully realize that. I just wanted to sound cool. Uh, Hi, Mom. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, let me explain what, what Kyle Eidelman's saying there for us. Uh, on D-Day, the Allied forces were on offense, absolutely on offense. 130,000 men went ashore in France that day. Another 30,000 parachuted behind enemy lines. There were 4,000 fighter planes, 4,500 bombers, 700 gliders, 1,400 air transports, 250 minesweepers, 120 warships, 3,500 troop carriers, 12,000 trucks, 1,500 tanks, and zero gates. Because a gate is a defensive weapon. So the image that Jesus is painting isn't one where the church is on defense. We are not trying to hold some ground in a desperate attempt to ward off Satan. The church is on offense and the gates of Hades will not prevail against the Lord's church because he has conquered. We just have to take the land he's already given us. So the time has come, church. The words that Joshua said to Israel are doubly true for us. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. So how do we live on offense? How do we fight for the kingdom of God? We follow Joshua's words. Be strong and courageous. Don't be weak and timid. Church, I know it's easy to be afraid. The culture is drifting farther and farther away from God and things that honor God. And it's easy for us to retreat further and further into the safe walls of the church and build a gate. And sure, we can build gates and we can isolate ourselves from sin ineffectively. Because no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try to isolate ourselves, we will always find ourselves in a battle against sin. And so our answer is to learn to fight, not continue to run. So when we build gates, we isolate ourselves from sin, but more importantly, we isolate ourselves from people who need to see the love of God in our lives. 
We have to be strong and courageous. So instead of saying, you don't know God and I'm afraid of you, what we need to say is, you don't know God and I'm going to show you. Does the world seem to be getting darker? Sure. But guess what? The light shines brightest in the darkness. And that's our job, church. Don't let what you see make you forget what God has said. Be strong and courageous. Share the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. You know, if... uh, if we were to read the description of the land that God promised to the Israelites at the beginning of this chapter, we would see that Israel never possessed all of the land that God promised. He said, from the Negev in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates in the east to the Mediterranean in the west, God promised Israel all of this land and they never, they never took it. That's been the story of the church too. We never take full advantage of what God has promised. It's not because God is unfaithful, it's because we live afraid. So church, let's be strong and courageous because our God is a fighter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the battle won. We thank you that you have conquered the ultimate enemy of sin and death. We thank you that we don't have to rely on our own lives, our own righteousness, but we rely on Christ in us. And so God, as we leave here today, would you help us to be strong and courageous? Would you help us to do what's right, even when it's hard, not for our sake, but for your sake, so that people might see what the love of God looks like through your church? God, we ask that you would give us opportunities to serve you today. Help us to love our families the way that you have called us to. Help us to love our friends and neighbors and coworkers and the people we don't like in the way that you have called us to for your name's sake. Help us to fight. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. You know, sometimes we like to put on a smile and say that everything's all right, but we're all struggling with something. So we sing this song. God will fight for us. Let's take it to him. Come out of sand.